10 years ago, the world shook as Paizo's Pathfinder role-playing game was unleashed on the world and caused a cataclysm in the gaming industry. Millions partook in countless adventures. No foe was insurmountable, no challenge too daunting. The victories were overwhelming and too many to count. All was good in the land of Galarian. However, as with all things, what was once new becomes old and tastes change. The people of Pathfinder became restless and lazy in their triumphs. They were striving for a new challenge, a new task to rekindle that spark of adventure. But behold, the dawn has awoken and Pathfinder version 2 is on the horizon of being unleashed onto the world. But before that glorious day, the forces of Paizo have called the Roll for Combat team to partake in their greatest adventure to date, the Pathfinder Playtest. Hey there, welcome to Roll for Combat. I'm your GM and host, Stephen Glicker. And in this week's special episode, we are giving a full review of the Pathfinder Playtest. We all managed to get the rule books early, we managed to read the rules several times for most of us. We made some characters, played a few sessions, and now we're sitting down and giving you our thoughts on what we think of the game. For those of you who are new, we actually have a weekly podcast where we go through and play the Dead Sun's Adventure Path, which is Starfinder, not Pathfinder. However, before Starfinder, we used to play every single Adventure Path we can get our hands on, and we have hundreds upon hundreds of sessions of Pathfinder under our belt. And before that, we have about 30 years of D&D experience under our belt as well. So, we are fantasy gamers at heart. Although we do like Starfinder, we all have a soft spot for fantasy and Pathfinder, and couldn't wait to jump in and try Pathfinder Playtest. So this is a one-hour review of us just sitting around and talking about what we think of, well, various aspects of the game. We got to play it a few times, both at PaizoCon and privately. We had time to read the rules in detail and obviously make some new characters. Now, this is a review of the low-level play. We only played level one characters, and what we're going to do is probably play some higher-level characters in the near future and do a follow-up review after we have a few more sessions under our belt. In addition to us talking about it, you can read Jason McDonald's extensive review of the rules on the Roll for Combat website. And finally, if you want to talk to us and just chat about the game, or if you want to play on the Pathfinder playtest itself, we have several games starting on our Discord channel, which is discord.rollforcombat.com. We have tons of GMs and a lot of people want to play, so sign up now. We're doing both play-by-post as well as live play, and it's going to be a great place for you just to talk about the game, play some games, exchange information, anything Pathfinder-related. And of course, we do a lot of Starfinder there too as well. But with that, let's jump right into review and talk about the new Pathfinder playtest and what we all thought about it. So this is Steve from Rule for Combat, and today we are going to talk about the Pathfinder playtest and what we at Rule for Combat think of it. We have read the rules, we've made characters, we've played it at PaizoCon, 
and we just played a little bit of Pathfinder Society playtest scenario, the was it Rose Street Revenge. We had a little bit of combat, a little diplomacy, we tried it all out. We have been playing Pathfinder since the inception. Most of us have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of games under our belts. So we know Pathfinder very well. We've obviously been playing a lot of Starfinder last year. So for us, this is going back to the well. And in general, in any order, what do you guys think of anything? We'll kind of start disorganized of what you guys think so far. Just the rules or what you think of playing or what you liked or you didn't like. Let's just start off and go from there. I'm happy to start because I actually may have the fewest things to say. So it's uh, for the most part, actually reading through the rules and everything else. I focused on the wizard character and just creating a level one character at all. I absolutely love the sort of action system. I think it's fabulous to actually have multiple things for any character to do, which is always a balancing act with any game of while I'm doing my turn, other people don't have anything to do, but yet I want to be able to enjoy and have activities on my turn. So just simply bumping it up from two to three seems a nice balance for individual enjoyment without you know interfering with other people's play enjoyment. Uh, my one quibble that I saw is that the specializations for a wizard at level one are extremely limited, which I only assume they're just not done writing it because at the moment, the only advantage of I specialize in evocation or in necromancy or any other is to get one additional first level spell. And that's pretty much it and you're done, that's the only advantage. Whereas if you go universalist and don't choose anything, you actually get an additional class feat, which of course will always be useful at fifth and ninth and 12th levels, having an additional feat. Whereas having a first level spell will eventually become useless, of course, as you level. So I'm assuming they're eventually gonna make it more like archetypes from Pathfinder, where you get a spell at third, fifth, seventh, ninth, but they haven't yet done that. So at the moment, I could not see any logical reason beyond role-playing to pick anything else than Universalist from a mechanical perspective as a wizard. And by the way, that was Bob Marquis. I don't know if you want to quickly say your names when you first start talking so everyone knows who's who. Hi, this is Bob Marquis. There we go, Bob Marquis. Uh, this is this is Jason. I'll jump, I want to jump in on the action system because one thing, you know, when you go in hearing, oh, everything's an action, you get three actions. That sounds too simple at first. That sounds like stupid, but it actually so far, it feels like it actually works pretty well because in some places they kind of it kind of kludges out that it ends up being like Pathfinder anyways, because like most spells at, come out to two, two actions anyways. So two actions to cast a spell, one action to move and you're back where you were with original Pathfinder anyways. But I mean, it's still it, they move that they move the granularity to the other side of the equation so that everything's in action but now the tools that you have sometimes can do different things depending on how much you put how many actions you put into them like the cleric channel i played the cleric during the play during the at paizocon um and it's like one action is a touch heal two actions is a is a ranged single target three actions is a channel uh, magic missile is another one. You you get an extra missile if you pump an extra action into it. So there there's still there's still room for flexibility and still room for choices and in fact maybe more interesting choices because it's there's still you know they it you have the ability to make decisions like that. So it ends up actually being fairly useful. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I liked it right there. I mean, I had the the option of running. Uh, I was when I did my channel heal, which was three actions long. And what's great about it is that they're instead of a check mark, uh, you can put just you know V for verbal, somatic for somatic, and M for material uh, in the little boxes. So there's, you can picture what's going on a little bit better, but I had the option when I was channeling to actually run from one option uh, uh, for one action, uh, hit that guy with a, uh, a sword and do a touch heal as my third action or, you know, any combination thereof. Uh, so, but I chose to just show, you know, what a three action, uh, heal was. Um, so that was kind of cool. I, in I like that flexibility. Um, I mean, yeah, in general, just in general, the nice thing about having three actions is that, well, you can do three things and everything's in action. Like the old rules of, I mean, how many times have we had to look up, oh, is that a move action? Is that a standard? Is that a fall? And then you had to constantly remember it. And now everything was like the combat went insanely fast. I mean, yeah, it's first level, but it was like that was an action. That's two, three, done. One, yeah, two, no three, more. Hold, no more. Hold on. Is that a swift or a full or a move or yeah, combat that, was so fast? Stuff. Yeah, it went so much faster. What's that was? Even though yes, we played a trillion times, and but that went crazy fast because I, I, the only thing I had to look up was there are some little wonkiness like a ready action, like as we found out, a ready action is it's two actions, but then you get one action when it goes off. So yeah, it's not totally like oh everything's in action, everything's too like it's there's still a little bit you're gonna have to remember. So it's not a hundred percent perfect, but it went from incredibly complex to almost very simple, I would say. And and it, I do think it's welcoming to new players, which you know from our perspective as lifers, you know we've been doing this for years, we'll figure it out. But I think I think that sort of system is a lot easier for someone coming in new to wrap their brain around. And having to learn seven different types of actions and, and when you say that it's more simple the the elegant thing about that is that the simplicity is actually more flexible than the old system uh which is great where it's it's simpler but it gives you more options and more interesting combinations uh, i would have never had those options playing any other system you know that i've played before uh to run heal and attack in, in one turn so yeah and they've actually said this publicly paizo has said that this game is you know there is role playing there's skills but they are a combat oriented game system like as the, the exact quote i think was like half the book is combat you know i mean they the, most of the book is how to do combat how combat works here's things for combat here's tools for combat not that role playing isn't part of it but combat and tactics is a huge part of the pathfinder system which i really like that they managed to do the holy grail of 
simplifying and yet making it way more complex. It's just by having spells do different things with different amounts of actions, your attacks doing different things with different amounts of actions. It will give you a lot more options, even at first level. And I can only imagine as you level up, you'll have a whole variety of things you can do. Even if you're a fighter or a monk, or you're not a spellcaster, you'll have all these special powers and abilities. So you'll always have something to do and you always have to think about, okay, I got three actions. What am I going to spend them on? And it's it's it looks like it's going to be really good. I'm very curious to see what this is like when we play the higher level characters. Well, a great example of that is the use of shields. I mean, you know, a shield used to just be an abstract modifier, to, you know, just a, a modifier to your armor class. Your Your tin can gets a little bit stronger because you have a shield. Now it's like an active defense system. You choose whether to raise your shield. You... You know, and, and if you do raise your shield, you still get that plus, but then you also have the option to actually block the attack and not get hit by it at all and have the shield take the hit. And and that's one of your three actions. And there was a there was one of those rounds in the fight where I was like, do I move, attack and raise the shield? Do I move twice and attack? I mean, you know, what I want to do, you know, it, it puts it adds choice. It's something simple, but that gives you real choices and gives you some tactical thinking that you didn't have before. And that's, I mean, I, I there are probably going to be a few times where you're going to sit there grumbling because you forgot to raise your shield and start swearing under your breath. But for, for the one time that that happens, you're probably going to get five or 10 times where it actually provides you with a really interesting dynamic. And, and when your shield is raised, uh, I don't think you have to raise it the next turn unless you use one of those shield actions, correct? Um, I think no, initially, I think you have to re-raise it. Initially, you have to raise it, but you can get feats and stuff that turn it into a reaction where you can actually do it at the moment that the attack happens. Uh, oh, so, I mean, yeah, you do have to. It does cost an action. Shields start off fairly, not weak, but they do consume part of the action economy but if you're really dedicated to being a shield fighter as jason said you can get feats and abilities to make it reactive so you just always use it and you become really good at it now having said that at PaizoCon, we had that little kind of three beers in discussion about shields breaking and is the fighter going to have to drag a wagon full of shields through the dungeon with him because he needs spare shields so there, there might be a little bit of a you know because there might be a little bit of a logistics question right. around that, but you know, we'll figure that out as we Wait, go. Bob was going to say something. I'm Sorry, also Bob. actually going to be very intrigued how the shield spell ends up working with this. I took it for the wizard, but of course it didn't come up in this, in the first encounter we played. It's only a plus one to AC as a spell, which makes me wonder with all the different shield actions, how much utility is it really going to happen in live play for a wizard to defend itself? Is, the, is there ever going to be a situation where my taking and raising that shield, where I've cast the spell and raised it, is going to be more valuable for plus one AC to just simply running the hell away? Yeah. Or casting that's... a spell to attack, or casting a spell to make myself invisible, or almost any other offensive or defensive action. But does that shield stay up for any length of time? No, it only. It, that's why I was asking about a turn. You, you use one of your actions per turn to maintain it as a concentration, as it's. 
And, mm. and I believe you have to use another action to raise it. To use it, to raise it. Yes, exactly. So casting so, the spell and then raising it and then one action every single round afterwards to maintain it. And still, the thing is, the utility is only plus one AC. In original Pathfinder, yeah. I will say the advantage of the shield spell is that it gave you plus four AC to your completely armorless wizard. Well, it had but it Bob, it actually it also has hardness, though. And the hardness scales up sure. as you level. So, I mean... That's great. No, that, and that's good. I, I'm actually not saying it's useless. I'm saying, as as written, I'm I'm curious to see what the actual utility will be in live play for yeah. a first or third or fifth. Well, or I believe the shield takes the damage for you. So if you do get hit, it goes through the shield first, then goes. That's great. I, I and I want to actually use it in play. But my question is still going to be: Is it better than the other option a wizard ever? True. Has? Well, this is this is the play test, and yeah. don't forget, right. this is one of the things. Hopefully, they will find out. Like if it's not powerful enough or too OP, then they change it because you know this is obviously what they're going to be getting information yeah. about. So, Chris, you've been right. so quiet. This is the quietest Chris has <laughs> ever been. Well, no, I'm just um. I'm liking everything I'm hearing. Uh, I do like the action uh, system now. I do like that the attacks of opportunity are, are more or less gone because that was a big, we were talking about that before, That was a, that's a big thing that slows combat down is because you're constantly trying to avoid uh, putting yourself in a situation where you're going to receive attacks of opportunity. I mean, that's a big time sink and uh, going both ways because the enemies are constantly trying to do that as well all the withdrawing and whatnot. Um, if no one has it for the most part, then that makes the playing field equal and it speeds things up, which I do like. Um, we'll have to see if it looks like fighter and paladin can get it. Um, we'll have to see if that is OP or not, because it might be, um, but it also will, uh, you know, the fighter, the paladin, pure melee type fighters uh, do seem you know they should have an advantage in melee like they should be better than most people and you should not want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with them um other things though just clarification things um like for my class for monk one thing that was not so intuitive you know under each of the classes it does say things like it has the field for proficiencies but then it has nothing underneath it so it's kind of confusing as to what they mean by that yeah. um you know it says proficiencies and then it's just blank um it looks like there's something supposed to go under that because all the other things on the right, you know, it says if you're looking at wizard key ability intelligence, hit point six, proficiencies, there's nothing underneath that. So I don't know, you know, what that means. And, um, you know, one thing for me that was not clear is I took this feat of monastic weapons, which from reading it, it looks like you have to take that feat to be able to be proficient in any of the monk weapons. But then when you go to the weapon section and look under monk, it, it, it sort of seems like you could use them without that, but it's un, kind of unclear. That needs some clarification as to, you know, do you have to take that feat to be able to use any weapons at all? Because it seems like you're not proficient with anything other than unarmed strike. You are. That's correct. And actually, I'm looking at the layout. You know why they did this? The proficiencies is the header, and then the subheads are perceptions, saving throws, skills, weapons, armor, and spells. Because if you look, key ability, hit points, proficiencies. And what page are you skills, on? Any of the, I'm on page 69, but any of the actual, this is a layout item. If you notice, proficiencies was the header because it's in all caps. 
and then perception. Right. Okay. Is, yeah, it's just the way the layout is. But I see what you're saying. Like it exactly. Like the layout and the writing in general, I thought was fantastic because they really wrote this in a way that explains like if you don't know what how a game works this is how the game works this is how role playing works it was very well written for both newbies as well as people who have been doing this the whole life yeah, they should have done is they should have indented everything like i see what you're saying now like, yeah yeah like this, the layout skills, weapons, is beautiful armor. but you know obviously this is things they'll fine tune um quite a bit but they did do smart things like put all the class abilities with the class and the um, uh, ancestry abilities with the ancestries, you know, like in the other rules, you had to cross reference everything. And they actually even said that in some of the interviews I've heard with them. And, you know, they've done a better job in general organization. I found the, you know, obviously, you know, it, it's impossible to get everything done correctly, which is why I really need the online uh, SRD because <laughs> that's where I just search for things. I I search in the PDF and I search online. So as long as it's online, I'll be pretty happy. But in general, it's 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 I put it this way: for the first time we ever played it, you guys sent me your characters. I was able to quickly run, you know, jump to the chapter, read it, figure out your characters, figure out how they were built, go through them, and within less than an hour, I was able to build characters and make sure your characters were built correctly. And that's pretty, you know, it was a lot easier than some other systems I've used. So that, that uh, you know, that in my opinion is something probably, you know, positive. Probably right all other systems that you've used, you know. More or less, more yeah. or less all other systems. I mean, there were still some things I had to get used to because there are these new concepts like the whole training system like that I... I'm sure some other role-playing games use it, and I'm sure people say, oh, yeah, these, these five do, but I can't think... I don't know of any that really yeah, use that, that type of system. Yeah, that be honest. Yeah, that's... Um, well, because everything... So the way it works is that everything, your reflex saves, your skills, your attacks, everything goes up with your level. Whatever your level is, that's your base. And there's no, like... you know, Remember, there was, like, half attacks and quarter attacks and three quarters. All That's all gone. It's like everyone has... Everyone's like, oh, what's your base attack bonus? What level are you? 15? 15. You know, it's like, what's your base uh, skill for, I mean, your base um, save? Uh, what level are you? 15. 15. <laughs> what's your base skill? 15. Like, everything is your level. And then, based on whether you're trained at it, there's pluses and minuses. And there's not a lot. Like, even being legendary, which is the highest you can be, is just a plus three. So the math is crazy, crazy tight now. Like a plus three is like a plus 10 in the old system. So every little plus really helps and counts. Um, for me, the biggest difference in the system, and it's kind of stupid, but it's it felt a, a lot different, is actually having a lot more hit points. Uh, my cleric has 17 hit points on first level. And it feels immediately so much better uh, to have that. Uh, you can have a lot more incremental dam damage without totally being on the edge of going unconscious and falling out of combat and feeling just like a loser. Uh, that I think is just fantastic. Uh, so Heck, that... you were critted. I think the very first hit was a crit on yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. 
which wasn't a natural 20. It was just a 19, but it was 10 more than your AC, which is obviously another big thing, and critted you for double damage, and you were fine. I mean, yeah, it did, it did about half your hit points, but you were still okay, and then you just healed it right back in one turn. You actually healed the whole party in one turn, so right. there yeah. you go. And it just felt better. Like, even outside of combat, walking through the streets, it's not – there wasn't the fear that, oh, you know – an arrow could come <laughs> from out of the you know blue and just wipe out my character and i'd have to make something else and, and just that type of security i just felt better about my character oh um, that didn't that didn't happen to anyone right bob where an arrow just came out of nowhere hit no, you and dropped no, no, you absolutely no. in the no. very first five minutes of the campaign bob <laughs> yeah so it was very fun i thought it was fun. It was fun for me. It was an arrow that hit you and dropped you, and you guys didn't even enter the dungeon yet. So, yeah, that that <laughs> is probably nice. Yeah, I mean, if just at first glance, I mean, it does seem like you're... I mean, my character at first level has 21 hit points, and that is... You, you feel more powerful at a low level, which is good. Yeah, I mean, and also as a GM, I feel like... It's like, oh, I hit you for two points of damage. And that could be half your hit points. Like, I feel like, oh, I can hit you for eight and it won't kill you outright, but you'll you'll feel it yeah. at level one. It just feels better. It honestly, and it's not like, I mean, the difference between, you know, level one and level two is it's it's a fifth, you know, it's a hundred percent, you know, change in your, 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 your stats. And now it's not that big of a jump. Uh well, but. the numbers are, they did that from, so like the numbers, the numbers were crazy. I mean, the numbers were just too big. The stat squish, which appears to be happening in everything, everything we see stat squishing. They did it in Starfinder and it seems even more pronounced in Pathfinder. It's much more linear. So supposedly the numbers work just as well at level 20 that they do at level one, because before it was sort of a progressive scale where as you went up, it would get stronger and stronger to the point that you were just so op at like level you know 15 it was kind of ridiculous but supposedly you know that it you'll be stronger at the higher levels but it's not going to be op stronger and because of the new system you have to dedicate um powers you have to dedicate training to get to legendary status if you really want to get good you can't just you'll automatically get better but you're not going to get any pluses unless you go out and get some magic items or train specifically. And even then the plus is a whopping plus three. So it's, it's good. What, what did you guys think of the feats? We had ancestry feats, class feats. Actually, no, we didn't. We get class feats at level two. I well, was able to get one got. at level one. Yeah, I got, yeah. I got a class feat at level yeah. one. Okay. So my, I feed, got two. did you get a class feat? Jason, did you take a class feat? Uh, I believe, yeah, I did. I got, uh, I got a, uh, feat that turned my lay on hands dice from D fours to D sixes. Oh, okay. Okay. Cause I didn't get a class feat. I think I get one at level two. Uh, I traded my, there's an ancestry feat that lets you take a class yeah. feat. I didn't like any of my ancestry feats. Uh, the, the, all the class feats looked so great that I can't imagine anybody playing at least a cleric um, going. I, with I them. have to agree. I, I found the ancestry feats for human were not very interesting in any way. Yeah, I liked mine as half work because it, one of them gave me low light vision, the other one gave me toughness, which gave, gave me. Oh, that's yeah, that's that's pretty good. 
Well, yeah, I love right. that. Uh, now the ancestry feats, like half elf and half orc, are feats. So it's not a it's not a different ancestry. It's like you're human, and then you can either take oh clever imposter or general training or half orc, and then you get all these bonuses, and it eats up one of your feats. But it feels I don't know. It feels more natural, and also allows the game to add like these types of class feats or sorry, ancestry feats a lot easier to the game. You don't have to add an entire ancestry of half orc or half elf if or half goblin or half gnome. You know, they could just add it to an ancestry feat and voila, it's added to the game. It, it's cool. I actually that was one of the very first things I saw because I was like, oh, where where's the half elf? Because because we do play a lot of half elves because half elves are traditionally one of the best uh ancestries to play because they're so powerful and i noticed oh it's not even here it's it's part of human that was very cool um but i would also say that the class feats that i found uh were much much better uh than the general feats because they're also general feats but again i'm playing a cleric i don't know if that's the same for all classes so it seems a little bit like maybe one of the goals was to try to avoid min-maxing a little bit by put, making the various feats different paths and almost forcing you to use some of the ones you wouldn't use. other Because, like, you know, it's easy to see the, the character where you pretty much, when everything was just in a bucket called feats, you know, probably a lot of people built the same basic character with the same basic feats optimized for combat and yeah there were some racial or some racial slash ancestry stuff there were some skill stuff but you know by and large people probably didn't take them very often unless they had some really specialized character concept in their head and i suppose putting them on different tracks kind of you know soft forces people it, to use different things and build more di more dynamic different characters that way i guess yeah, well, the, the, the counterpoint to that is, uh, as a human, I have a feat called Natural Ambition that allows me to take a class feat. Instead. Well, that seemed like the benefit of humans is a lot of their feats yeah. were built around flexibility and switching those feats around to other things. Well, I mean, yeah, but the human feats were just, the ancestry feats were just so untakeable. They were, your your class feats are going to be so much better. And I believe there was uh, general feats that allow you to take a, a, a class feat or I don't know. There was some yeah. there was well, there's some multi crossover, but there the, is multi -class thing, the so. interesting thing is is that the feats are uh they're level. There you have level one feats, level seven feats, uh yeah. level uh fourteen feats, I think. Um, but they had yeah. it in Pathfinder one, but it's it, everything's a lot clearer. Like that's the one thing you'll notice is that and I mean, I can talk an hour about the system, I think, and probably John can too. It's like I very much was focused on the game system and the architecture and the framework. And they spent a lot of time on the framework, you can see. But it's very clear. And you guys don't even see this, but like the traps now have levels. Like everything has levels. So you can clearly very easily assign them to, you know, a gup against characters and even, you know, and this is a big thing that people are talking about. The equipment has levels, which, you know, if you've been playing Starfinder, you're getting kind of used to that. But having levels with equipment is a big deal because it affects crafting as well as now you have a general idea of when you should be getting these things and what should be around, quote, your level. 
it's uh i do like how levels have been crept into every aspect of the game because it makes balancing and building really easy for at least for the gm point of view let me ask a question now in terms of proficiency levels um legendary is what is your level plus four three plus, plus three three yeah. so one thing I'm, I'm a little wondering about or maybe concerned i mean i'm just looking at focusing on monk uh, because that's what i've been you know looking at the most but um you know i'm I'm a little wondering about scaling because you know monk has no armor at all so they have to rely on dexterity and their what they call um graceful uh which is unarmed you know or unarmored proficiencies so at level 17 your unarmed defense proficiency becomes legendary so that means that my armor class right now is 14. It's going to be 17 at level 17. That seems way low. I mean, it does not seem like that scales properly because there's minimal, I'm guessing, minimal amounts of way to increase your armor class when you're wearing no armor or shield. There's, there's probably, I haven't looked that much at the magic items. I presume there are magic items that just like, what were they, the bracelets? For the monks, that there has to be something similar. Ring protection, maybe. Yeah, yeah. There's got to be something that both 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 wizards as well as monks have to be able to wear. Because for the monk, at least your armor class goes up. What about the wizard? <laughs> the wizard doesn't get anything. Their right, armor class but the is wizard is. But see, the monk is a frontline fighter, and you know a melee. Not, fighter. not when you play him. Oh <laughs> no, they I mean, they're up there in melee. I mean, to have a seventeen armor class at level seventeen is seems very weak. But I could be wrong. I mean, maybe there's yeah. maybe there's. I, I mean, think I the math is super tight now. I have not seen stats on the monsters yet that are high level. I unfortunately only have level like one, two, and three monsters at my disposal right now so i would well, be, yeah that's i want to see like a level 20 monster and that's actually yeah. an interesting question as to scaling they may actually be going with a very very marginal scaling system instead of the sharp one that was done in uh, pathfinder where uh, you know a level seven character could slaughter first level characters by the hundreds but i mean obviously you know dnd fifth edition tried to go with a there's not that much difference between third and sixth level i mean you're stronger but you're not way stronger well, here, I'll give you some general numbers. So I'm looking at table 10-2, which is the skill DCs by level and difficulty. So a trivial skill DC at level 1 is a 10, which makes sense. So level 1 is 10 DC. Level 10, the DC is 19. So it only went up 9 points for 10 levels. Right, that's interesting. Level 20 is 29. So... In theory, the lowest DC, this is trivial, by the way, um, we're talking about the lowest DCs possible, it goes anywhere from a 10 to a 29, and it can go higher. Like, if you do a low DC, it goes up to 38, 41, 44, 47. Like, it can get pretty high, but in general, those numbers are pretty low. Like, a 29, a level 20, that's probably one of the lowest levels, you know, numbers I've ever seen for a level 20 anything. So the numbers, I believe, are very small, very tight. So I guess we'll find out. I'm, well, I'm, we'll I'm see because, I mean, level 29. Okay, so my athletic skill right now is five because I'm trained and I have plus four strength. Um, but it, how is it going to go up that much? I mean, they're, like you can spend your skill increases to get it up to legendary. So then it'll be at a very high level. It'll be 
eight. And then if I increase my strength, which gets harder to do, it's diminishing returns after you hit 18. You know, you don't get any monk advancement doesn't get any abilities that give you. Well, yeah, I mean, everyone, when they advance in levels, you you can you can instead of getting a you can either get a skill trained or you can actually um, go up from trained to expert. And what that does is give you plus one. But for right. skills, you're also getting plus one for your level every time. I was about to oh, say. that's true. That's true. You actually, uh, we totally just, I, I opened up the sheet. You get your level. Right, right, so right. That's true. I forgot about that. You that's get that's, that's 20. That's <laughs> your AC. Right. Oh, wait. Plus, you get, oh, yes. Okay. So your AC is 10 plus your dex plus your level plus your proficiency. So... If oh, I keep forgetting about that. That's, that's right. It's counterintuitive. Yeah. So that's right. you would and have a right. So it's not a nineteen. It's a it's a thirty nine. So there. You ah, go. okay. So you're right. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's. I'm so not used to the level being added in, and that also goes for your to hit as well. Yes, that's what I said. Like your level is just added to everything. So it's just it's a very linear scale. It's like your levels because your levels added to every single thing. Your AC is, which is also nice because how many times when your AC, you know, you would be at those levels like, oh, my AC doesn't go up this level because I'm like three quarters or half, you know, which stinks. But your your AC goes up every level. Every level your AC goes up. Every level your saving throw goes up. Every level your skills go up in your attacks. Every single level, everything goes up, which is going to be nice because how many times do you have that one crappy level I forgot which ones it was, but you know which everyone knows those. Like the one level where you get nothing, and you're like, Ugh, you know, this is like a waste level. You don't get anything. You get like one ability, and that's it. And then you get the one level where you get tons of cool things. So you always get something, which is nice. You always feel like you're getting stronger. We'll definitely have to play test it at higher levels to see how this all shakes out because it does seem odd though in a way because, like, as a wizard, what do you what weapon are you trained in? Are you trained in any weapons? It's the same as Pathfinder ones, exact same. Like dagger, okay, so staff, dagger, staff, crossbow. Same. Yeah, yeah, crossbow, all those things. Because a level ten wizard with a dagger is almost as good in ability to hit, excluding strength, as a fighter, right? Because I mean, there's no more of this like two thirds base attack bonus thing. It's all everyone's a. Full. They do get bonus. No, they will get certain bonuses and abilities that no one else will get. Well, yeah, they will. I'm just saying on just the raw numbers to hit. Yes. You know, they get a slight bonus because they're an expert instead of a trained. So yeah, but they don't by that time. Damage. Their feats are going to leave wizards in the dust as far as their feats and stuff, I would imagine, by level 10. I mean, it's going to be but like, But the all like in the old days, it used to be like a wizard would trail way behind because they were like a one-third base attack bonus class. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's and, all gone. That's all. Yeah, gone. that's all. But gone. I think John's right. I think they're relying on feats to really sh- make the differences stand out. Yeah, I think. Yeah, you know, and they're going to really, have strength bonus. Wizard. Yeah, they're going to have things that are aren't going to be available unless you're trained as master in the weapon that you're using. Right, something. that's true too. And right, so, so the we, wizard won't be able to do the thing that the fighter will be able to do and get an extra six dice, six dice of damage or whatever. All right, so we talked a lot about fighting. What about? wizards and spells and clerics and spells you guys saw the spells and read the spells what did you guys think of them well initially we talked about a little bit during the game portion i love what they did with the cantrips i love the concept that 
like they brought in the notion of like the at will powers that like mages would always like caster classes would always have something they can throw into a fight because i mean both at the low levels and the high levels like you get into that situation where low levels you don't even have that many spells you can cast high levels you start running out of spells and you and the casters don't have anything you can do but by making the cantrips a a little more powerful and then b more importantly that they scale up as you level I mean, that gives your caster something that they can do at any point in the fight. And so that, you know, you never have to feel like you're a third wheel unless the monster happens to be resistant to the one type of damage you can do, I suppose. I suppose that could happen. And I thought that's just fantastic. I was actually most excited about shield, believe it or not. Uh, I didn't understand how it worked. I thought that it lasted longer then around uh it costing two actions seems a little excessive but i do not know how the hardness like scales up i haven't really looked at it at a higher level so uh my apologies i actually did <coughs> state that wrong there's only one action to cast it it's only a verbal casting it's the second action is if you want to raise it yeah well i mean raising it gives you the bonus you can cast it but i don't think you get the bonus until you raise it so those are the two actions. Well, you still get plus one to your AC, I believe. Oh, actually, maybe not. No, I'm not sure. no. no. Oh, actually, well, the I'm way I'm reading right. it, yeah, yeah, it requires raise shield is what gives you, unless it's a second uh, plus one bonus, which I don't know. I mean, it yeah, seems... you basically have it's. I'm looking right now. It's like the cast it is a verbal casting, and you 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 basically get a shield. And but when you cast it, it counts as using the range, the raise shield action. So casting it is the equivalent of raising it, which costs an action. Well, so there is some economy, really, because at the top of that page on the on, on the top column, I'm there's a raise two fifty five. No, but read the yeah, I'm description. looking at it now here. Yeah, well. yeah, we're Actually, getting into no, some. No, it's math. not as bad as I recall. Yeah, this no, it's oh okay. It says oh, then that's that's yeah. really cool. Then that's really yeah, 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 cool because yeah. then I can yeah. cast another spell and have a shield. I love that idea that there's this phantom shield that you just recall and dismiss. You know, as your as your turns go. So here's a perfect example, though. It's like and the good old pathfinder as good as it is and it is simple it's still little nitty-gritty you know that we're still gonna have to learn stuff you still oh yeah is that he's like casting the shield and raising the shield is two actions but in this case it counts as one action which is two it actions counts as one action yeah, right so right like there's yeah, still little right. things we're gonna have to learn so it's not for that matter you don't channel the whole day it only lasts one action i had been confused because of the or until dismissed comment i had assumed that that meant a channel but no it's not well if it was too simple it would wouldn't feel like pathfinder right so you got to have a little oh, bit of certainly. complexity in there so steve what do you think of uh, uh i might be uh, too far out in the weeds because we haven't got there yet but one of your pet peeves with uh pathfinder was or any system was summoning monsters was something that you disallowed uh, yeah. yeah what do you think of summoning i had i wanted to play a summoner <laughs> and i had a summoning uh uh, class and he said no 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 the monsters they're, they're they take too long to summon and they're useless did they get it right this time or is it too early to tell it's a little too early to tell but i will say in general and i've said this they were very smart in the rules they basically there was three pet peeves that i know a lot of people as well as the developers had the three pet peeves were summoning 
downtime and making items. There's more than those, but I know I've had discussions with the developers over the years. The number one pet peeve for developers appears to be magic items and magic item stores. I know many people at Paizo and Wizards who actually take them out of their games because they think it's the stupidest idea ever to have a magic store. And that's the whole idea of being an adventurer is that if you want to get magic items, you need to find them and get them. So, and this might take a little while, but real quick, summoning is way better because it works very similar to how the mechanic works in Starfinder is that you have to give up. The whole problem with summoning is that one, it was a pain in the neck because you had to look up the monsters. They were never as powerful as you wanted them to be. And then they took an entire action. So you get to go and then the monster gets to go. And you know what? That took up a lot of time. They mostly clogged up the battlefield, especially if you summoned like three of them. The, and then people would be like, yelling at you as a GM like, oh, why aren't you attacking my monsters? Why aren't you attacking me instead? And, you know, it's like it becomes like a whole problem for in many, many ways. The way Summon Monster works now is that you still summon monsters that aren't quite as good. Like a third level summon summons a level two monster, but it takes part of your turn to command and use them. So if you're willing to use up your turn's actions to use the monster so be it now you have less to do so you don't get a full turn and the monster gets a full turn so it it it, it works and that's exactly how it works in starfinder jason has been playing basically a pet class the entire time and i've never had a problem with cheddar ever because it feels balanced and it feels like they just took those rules and added them to summoned creatures that's like the first pet peeve We'll talk about the next two next. I don't want yeah, to that, that is good because um, I summoning is a big problem in normal Pathfinder. It is like I have experimented with that. And, you know, there are whole guides written on wizard class and how to min-max a wizard. And may, a lot of it focuses on, on summoning. And it becomes way too much of a pain um in many for many you know for both the player and the dm there's all the stat blocks you have to look up there's such a large variety of different creatures you can summon um they do clog up the battlefield they slow things way down and it is ultimately i think overpowered and it is good if they you know can rein that in i mean it's a fun mechanic but they need to to rein it in i haven't looked at any of the rules in pathfinder 2 to see how it works but I mean, it basically like... they get two actions per turn so you know, they, they're just not as powerful. They And um, sometimes you have to command them and use your own actions. It works just like the mechanic. It's very similar, in my opinion. I, I also don't like the idea of magic stores. I think maybe some very minor low magics could be around in some kind of buying situation. But they, I always felt they should have a mechanic where you can, sort of like in a, in a MMO, where you can take a magic item and if you have some kind of crafting skill... Um, you know, magical crafting skill, you can uh, like melt it. You can disenchant it and create something of half value. Well, you guess know? what? And you are in luck because they use the MMO skills <laughs> or crafting and copied it and put it into Pathfinder version two. Oh, that's good. That makes yeah. much more sense. Like you turn it into something that you can then, then mold into some other magic item that you want. Well, what they have know? is because items have levels and items have rarity, that if you go to magic item stores, you can only find usually common magic items. Things that are uncommon or rare or legendary, you can't find them. Those yeah, that's to, good. I like you want to you want to find that uncommon magic item? Uh -huh. Guess what? You're an adventurer. 
Go find it. Right. That's how you get it. You don't or go to the magic maybe store. craft it too. You could craft. Well, crafting it. is a whole other thing. Well, let's get into. I'll get into crafting in a second because I love the crafting system. But what do other people think about these magic stores and magic items in general? Now, I just like the whole concept that, oh, that's uncommon. Well, you're not going to just find it. Like, and if you do, it's rare. Like, and it's yeah. it's officially in the game now. Well, I, I actually do. I'm going to disagree. I do like the magic store uh because i like uh it, it it increases the value of gold dramatically uh for 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 players as long as it's and yeah i know but that's gold that gold that they've that they've earned is hard won and the the, the fact that you can just have this wish list instead of and it also dovetails into character customization. You know, if you're a wizard and you want a pearl of power of third level, uh, you can get that. I mean, the, to, to hope to find the thing that you want to do with your, your class, it's way too random. To you're never going to find it, but yeah, you're that's never going to, but find that's, it. but that's why you could craft it. Like if you want it, you, okay. should, be, you should have to craft yes. it. And that costs gold. That does okay. cost gold. Yeah, that, 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 that's true. I guess that's the money sink that I like. Uh, I mean, forget yeah. what I was saying about stores. No, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. But I mean, <laughs> yeah, like, I, that's how I the, feel about crafting. Let's say one of the problems in min maxing is a uh, part of the min maxing equation is having the exact magic items that you need and that fit into the min-max. I mean, you should have seen us in Rune Lords, you know, the min-maxing that went on, because the magic items we had were just fit well with the spells I was casting and dis disabling everything every turn. And uh, and that that becomes problematic. Like, Yeah, I, uh, I, I actually have to say, for the record, we broke Pathfinder, and that way we played Rise of the Rune Lords. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it, it, it was. And um, it was fun. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, oh, but, but we became, it became so powerful. We, we, we did, honestly, one of the hardest uh, campaigns Pies has ever put out with two characters. I mean, it was, and and Seth, honestly, was doubling the DC of some encounters with, even though we were only half. Yeah. I mean, it, was, it, it, it became ridiculous. It, it was, it was ridiculous. But I mean, self, selfishly, you love it as you love the convenience of it, but it is kind of immersion breaking that you go into the local apothecary and it's like, oh, rotted disintegration you want that in blue yellow or green right all yes, three. that's exactly right yes, and, and like right. from a realistic point of view it's like are all these places guarded like gringotts or something i mean can i mean that these would be prime targets for powerful evil people to go and try and break into and get like, yeah why would you why would you raid a dungeon <laughs> yeah, you just could just raid, raid the magic store <laughs> i've heard that a hundred times i've heard i've heard this many people are like what just 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 either two things, either A, raid a magic store, or two, set up a store in town and sell magic items that you make. It's way easier and less deadly than adventuring. So wh why even bother? There's no point to adventuring if you can just find or make magic items at will. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Well, I mean, but the uh, problem with that is, though, that you, you pay, you have to make them at what half value you can only sell them at half value no no you sell them at full value so you, you make them theoretically good for players yeah. they make it difficult to do that, right um the reality is like you can only sell it at half the value anyway so you can't make a profit but i mean there's there's different campaign universes i think uh, uh 
uh, which was the one Forgotten Realms. They made a whole plot point of the fact that like there's a nation of wizards that the entire economy is based on that they make magic items and sell them all around the entire world in shops. I mean, so yeah, it's been it's been nodded at, it's been leaned at, but for a player, no, that ability is not. But if you read, so if you read the rules, and it's actually in the adventures that they basically say like. If you want to find, like, you can start off with, like, if you make a level five character, they'll say, okay, you start off with a level two, three, and four item, assuming that you get that through adventuring. So it's not gimped in the way that you can't ever find it if you do make your character a higher level. And then in terms of finding it, you know, that's a GM then. Like, you know, I mean, the GM should be, be if they're not doing a job and giving you gear that you can use as you adventure then they're being bad like but that does take out the shop equation in the sense that okay i need this very specific magic item i am going to go on adventure to find this magic item and then the gm should hopefully reward the pc with that magic item so that they can then continue building yeah well that would have to be a specific sort of side quest thing where it's like you you have to like find a i just i just want i swap out stuff all the time even in the um even in the adventure paths, if there's a, because sometimes you'll get something that's like good for a barbarian. And I'm like, dude, no, none of you guys can use it or use, you know, like maybe if it's a lot, I'll let you sell it and then you can buy something. But I might swap something out instead that you can use, or I actually usually keep it in and then add to something else that I know you'll use. Because there's nothing worse than killing the big bad boss and getting yep. nothing. It's yeah, terrible. Yeah. It's 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 like going to a raid, Chris. And wow, and then you kill the boss and you get no drops. I get no <laughs> drops. And then the loot, ca- the loot council and, says and you don't get that. It's worse being a barbarian. Yeah, exactly. Uh, playing a class that is kind of off the, the 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 beaten path and never like, getting like loot monk. because you're <laughs> like yeah, monk well, is never exactly. going to get the hand wraps <laughs> of a mighty fist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, that's but that's a GM point. But the point is, is that you now and it's built into the game system that you cannot expect to go into town and find that rare magic item you just it's now I, I, i'm in favor of that i like that yeah i am too and then for the crafting so how the crafting works the number one thing they added to crafting is you need a formula so that alone changes the whole con- that changes everything and you can craft items that are higher level than you which also changes things so you need to first find a formula which sometimes you can buy or you can reverse engineer things so if you find something really good and everyone else and everyone wants one of those things you can then reverse engineer it and then craft it for other people or you can go buy a book or find what the formula costs but you can't just make anything and that for a role-playing standpoint is awesome because now you can have you hand down magic items over time or dwarves have their own books and dwarves have you know this whole um community where they have the best formulas i mean it's it just opens up a lot of possibilities in both a mechanical and role-playing point of view i I think it's good okay i got a question for you real quick real quick you guys what if you can't find a wand of cure light wounds and you don't have healing in a party Mm. yeah because that's that's the thing thing, that's the thing that lets you guys at level two or level three you find ones are common common. those are common and healing is common so you can you can always find that sort of stuff okay all right and the healing elixirs are like the minor healing elixir is dirt cheap so you can load up on the elixirs so on the other hand the wands gets into the whole thing of resonance points 
and right. the fact that uh, magic, magic oh, items right. have Forget to be... about resonance. Okay, you want to talk about resonance? Resonance? Yes, because they finally made <laughs> so charisma awesome. no longer a dump stat. Oh In my god! Now charisma was always a dump stat. You can't dump it anymore because charisma <laughs> is how many magic items you can use. So, not for sorcerer. So it's not a dump stat. Well, you know what I meant. It, yeah. You know what I meant. But most yeah, people, right, of course. For no everybody else, it was always a dump. Yeah, it's, I actually went back and forth on if yes. I was going to put something into it at first level. <laughs> right. So using magic items, using so residence points are based on your charisma, and the amount of points you have depends on how many magic items you can use and activate per day, and so it limits to you how many times you can use magic items and how many you can carry around so you can't just walk around with 50 magic items anymore you actually are limited by your character so i don't know what do you guys think it's basically something you wear costs one point and then every charge anything that uses a charge uses a point so the one thing that's good it strikes me as possibly good and bad is it cuts down on the whole, you know, I'm just going to have a donkey trailing behind us with 20 cure light, cure X wounds, wands, and just heal up after each fight because eventually you run out of resonance points and you can't. And, you know, you have to get creative and do other things to get around that. On the other hand, it would kind of suck to be able to start not being able to use your magic items in the bit middle of fights if you start running out of resonance points well yeah, it gives you a decision I'm kind of though waiting, i'm kind of waiting to see on that one because yeah positives and negatives too. Did, the, did the charges change on the items i didn't look at a single magic yeah. item uh, uh wand has I'll 10 admit. charges now instead of 50 hmm. which okay. is a big deal yeah <laughs> 10 charges is oh yeah less than 50 <laughs> so that's a big deal right there wow that's a but it's probably difference. cheaper maybe it know. uses a resident point every time you use it so you it, it's not even that it's cheaper it's like you just can't top yourself off after every fight because you you're done and then you either have to rest for the day or up it again this goes into it has a nice mechanic, but the GM has to be very smart how they use it. If they allow you to heal and do a full rest after every fight, then what's the point? Mm -hmm. But the way we play, you guys know you don't get those, and you have to keep going, <laughs> and you have to really... I mean, I already make it that you have to balance your abilities. And you go you go long time between rests, which is on purpose. How many... The resonance points is equal to your modifier? Or a plus level, so plus it's level, like your, yeah. Charisma, okay. mo charisma modifier plus level. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So as you get more powerful, you can have more magic items. So again, everything scales up, and then so you can, you know, if, if you're really powerful, you get a lot of magic items, and you can walk around with a lot. So, but at low level, you can't. It's interesting. There is a limit, though. That is, yeah, that is good. And uh, we what weapons, weapons, and armor go off a separate system. So those, unless they have specific abilities that have to be activated. Oh, and what do you guys think? So when you get a plus one sword when you do damage it's not plus one damage it's plus one dice oh really i yes. did see that that was interesting yes oh my god so if you have a plus one sword it's not 1d8 plus one it's 2d8 instead of 1d8 plus one plus well yeah in that case plus yeah one. but you know what i meant the plus one was yes yeah. so they uh they increased the dice so plus like magic items are a big deal now that's really cool yeah. um yeah. And magic armor is also really good now. Well, too. I can't speak to, to whether or not that uh, 
feels good or not <laughs> because uh, well, we, don't yeah, we don't have any magic, magic items yeah um oh, oh you know one quick note on your shield cantrip by the way once you use the uh blocking feature of it you can't cast it again for 10 minutes i don't know if you saw that yeah i oh, did see that but that makes sense yeah. no that makes sense to me i mean i like that that's a good thing because it, it saves you four hit points it's a hardness of four absolutely i mean it's worth yeah, casting that's well hard. right that's what the hardness is for so the hardness takes off so if it does get hit it's basically it's a shield i mean it's like it's like bark skin or stuff oh bark skin yeah. got totally nerfed by the way that's one of the spells that got totally destroyed yeah it was always a little ridiculous oh well. yeah speaking of op and nerfing okay i just gotta say healing hands the uh class trait for clerics it's a plus d8 for every time I do a heal, and that applies to, I guess my my chan my channels and my heals. So that basically doesn't quite double my my my, but it's a huge difference uh, at low levels. And I and Steve pointed out it doesn't scale, and that's true. But I'll tell you what, that goes that it seems like it's going like mathematically, it seems going like it's going to go quite a ways for a number of levels and still it never goes away it's still 1d8 every single time for the rest of your character's life that's good i like that free well i'm saying is i'm looking at that what i wanted to take was i wanted a cleric that was going to wield a, a 1d10 shield okay i wanted a shield uh sword i i wanted to roll a d10 for my attack because I thought that was just so crazy to be that far out there. But this healing hands uh, feat was so good. I, I, I had to take it. I, yeah. In my opinion. In my opinion, All that right. is way overpowered. So, so, so we only got five minutes left. Because we can be talking about this for 10 hours. So yeah. <laughs> five minutes, I'm going to do the one last thing that we definitely have to talk about. Which is a gigantic add to the game that we saw in action right away as soon the very first role the very second role we saw which is critical success and critical failure first of all it applies to everything spells skills every everything has it now and even skill checks yeah everything and it's not just rolling a 20 or a one if you roll 10 higher or 10 lower than you critically succeed. And that happened because a monster hit, um, hit John. He rolled a 19, and with the modifiers, it was 10 more than your AC. So you got critted at a 19. And I liked it. <laughs> I liked it right away because I was like, wow, this it adds a level of... I, I actually didn't like it at first because I thought the math... It's something you're always going to have to keep in your head. It's like, ugh, I always have to think plus minus 10. But in retrospect, it really was actually pretty easy to uh, to apply. I mean, obviously, it's like a 10 is an easy number. It's not like, oh, is it 7? You know, so. Well, I, I, it's, it's again, straight from an MMO. Uh, wow creatures, wow monsters have a higher chance of critting you when there are extra levels, I think, three or four high levels higher than you. Uh, I do like that really don't like critical misses i don't like them they, they they take away the uh uh the option of doing the hail mary it makes you like when you have a 50 percent chance of missing a, a knowledge check or a skill check or a heal check or an acrobatics check by 10 like 
if you need a 20 to get out of that, you know, to catch the cliff by your fingertips, you want to be able to do that. But I don't like have an incentive not to roll not yeah to try that's true because if it's there's not, a critical failure yeah if and you, it's just going to happen right you if you know? don't make your hail mary then you're definitely going to be critical failure yeah that's and true. so on a, on a storytelling level sometimes going for the long shot can re- lead to some really interesting moments and this kind of disincentivizes that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. On the other hand, I do have to admit, I, I like the critical success because yes, absolutely. To me, when you absolutely. hit on a thirty-two against an armor class of fourteen, that's more impressive than rolling on a nat twenty when you're only when you're only hitting on a seventeen. Totally, anyways. totally. So that sure. actually that actually really does make some sure. sense. And, and also, if- I, I've read so many times where low-level characters will attack and farm high-level monsters and have all these crazy tactics, and it's going to be gone. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like if you're low-level, that monster is going to just destroy you. It can roll a five and crit you every time. You know, it's like there's just no chance. You're not going to succeed. And you can't even critically succeed. Um, The way the math works is that if even if you roll, I think even a 20, you don't succeed. You just succeed. It's like if you can't actually crit them or hit them normally, then you don't succeed. Uh, there's there's a there's a whole section on it. How uh, it works. I understand John's point though that like the hail mary, the look, I need a twenty to hit, but I'm going to just try and attack anyway, is actually an old convention of well, things are going against me with the hell. But if I am so bad at attacking that I think there's a fifty fifty chance of my missing by ten, there's a chance I could make things worse, and so that disincentivizes me to actually make any th- attack of any kind. And, and, and frankly, even if you get through that situation alive, you kind of feel, and you decide not to do that hail mary, and your your, your comrades, you know, pull you guys through. You kind of feel bad about your character. You kind of feel like, well, what the hell am I doing here? I I don't have any actions that you know could have saved the day. Uh, well, I man, just, maybe you shouldn't have been attacking that level yeah. 12 dragon in the first well, place. Yeah, I absolutely should have been shooting at that level 12 dragon. That is what being a hero is all about. Why no, that, that, tell that to Bilbo oh. Baggins. Yes, 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 exactly. exactly. What, he what was level doing? one at most. Please. I know. We're stealthy. Stealthy well, where he had even, no business stealthing. What you are you guys are thinking about? only combat. Like I'm thinking like if there's like a, a trap where there's just you know a small chance of you well that that's actually the trap i won't even get into this whole other system the way traps work now you have to be trained at certain levels to even find and disarm the trap oh no no i mean yeah. i mean like a skill check uh, yeah, like like a, that is a skill well, that, check that was bilbo bag bilbo bag yeah. stealthing smog he should have critically failed and smog would have eaten yes, <laughs> yes. Ring of power, you, well though. actually and right. with this system the ring, he, he would ring, yeah even with the ring he actually has such a low stealth that yeah all right so real quick let's go around what do you guys think in general bob you go first I, I like it. I, I'm at a wait and see attitude of actually how it's actually going to scale because quite a number of the level one powers that I'm seeing or abilities or initial feats are interesting, but not particularly all that exciting. So I assume that there's a scalability thing that's going to happen later. But at the same time, the basic mechanics certainly seem to work wonderfully. John, what do you think? Uh, yeah, on Bob's point, like it. I, well, the, I mean, so much has been improved. Uh, I think we're going to level five with the same characters for the next uh, uh adventure but uh yeah we'll be able to see how things scale anyway so yeah definitely all very forward on a lot of systems here jason what do you think overall positive the thing that concerns me a little is like 
is the siloing of the different ki kinds of feats going to make it too tough to build the kind of character you want now that you have four different types of feats that all kind of go on their own tracks or whatever. But overall, I, I like the general feel of combat. I like some of the stuff they're doing with spells. I, I think a lot of the choices they're making are good choices. That leaves Chris. What do you think, Chris? I agree. I, I do like um, the simplicity of it, uh, the, the elegance, the clean, cleanliness, uh, you know, cleaning up attacks of opportunity. I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I am a little bit, we had talked about before, uh, concerned about the uh, critical hits and failures. I, I always feel that it's um, all of that kind of stuff, critical hits and or critical successes and critical failures, in general, disadvantage the players more um, because they are much more affected and have to live with the consequences of being critically hit as opposed to the enemy that is you critically hit it and it overkills it and then so what and it's gone so but we'll see i mean i definitely need to play it more and i'm looking forward to playing at higher levels and then finally i'm looking at it a little differently i look at it as a gm i mean i do look at it as a player but i'm looking at the mechanical system of how it's built and one of the things I like a lot is it looks like they built this obviously from the ground up and there's a lot of tools here. There's a big framework for when they add new classes or new abilities that it's all here. Like, oh, you have new abilities. Okay. Those are powers. You have new spells. Okay. We have four main spell um, schools now, and it goes in one of those four schools. So they don't, uh, you know, add a you know, like a eighth school, like they did in Pathfinder first, and then never add spells to that school ever again. By having four schools, hopefully all the expansions, they'll always make sure, okay, we have 10 new spells, 10 for each school. So none of them get left behind. And like the item system, it's very regimented. Everything is regimented. Everything has a system to it but it doesn't go to the point of 4e which i think a lot of people worried about because 4e did the same thing and 4e went overboard and it became so hard to play 4e that everything was regimented into a system this is regimented to a system but still has massive flexibility again we have to play it more but from a general point of view i really like what i see so far and with that, I guess we'll wrap up our initial review and then maybe we'll do a follow up after we play a little bit more and try some higher level characters and see what we think of the game system after that. Hey, everyone, Steve here. So thanks for listening to our review. Once again, we plan on doing another review after we have a few more sessions under our belt, as well as after we get to play some of the higher level characters and get to try these characters out with more spells and abilities and feats and so forth. In addition, we are playing through many of the adventures, so do check back if you want to actually listen and watch us play. You heard us talking about the game sessions we were in. We actually did this review right after we finished playing a few sessions, so a lot of the game mechanics and fights were fresh in our head. That's why we kept referring back to them, as well as the individual builds and the characters that each person is playing. So if you actually want to see us in action, do check back on the website at RollForCombat.com, as well as the Discord channel, as well as our Facebook and Twitter feed, and you'll be notified whenever we post new episodes of us actually playing through the Pathfinder playtest. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to write us. There's a form on the Roll for Combat website, or just go to the Discord channel, where we are there all the time at Discord.RollForCombat.com. In addition, you can play both Starfinder and Pathfinder playtest games on our Discord channel. 
Otherwise, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys later. You've been listening to Roll for Combat, a Starfinder actual play podcast. If you have a question or comment for the show, please visit us at RollForCombat.com or drop us a line at contact at RollForCombat.com. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, Discord, and other social media platforms. You've been listening to Roll for Combat. Until next week, always remember that your mother was a hamster and your father smelt of elderberries. <laughs>